1: There are 150,000 job openings in BC and that number is only expected to get bigger in the years ahead as more and more people head for retirement. So do we have a plan for dealing with this? How are we going to fix this? Well, the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade does have a plan. Their president and CEO, Bridget Anderson, joins us now to talk about it. Good morning. Good morning, Simmy. This is a huge number, Bridget. Where are all these jobs?
0: Well, you know, if we could back up a little bit, Simi, I think what we've been hearing from our members for a regular amount of time is that they're dealing with an acute labour problem. And we are hearing it across every sector and every industry, and it is costing businesses money. So when we look at the job openings, you mentioned 150,000 right now, but the BC government is forecasting that there will be 1 million job openings in the next decade. So, we've got a big problem. We've got a, a labor shortage, and we have got to be able to find ways to solve it. So, over the last six months or so, we have conducted research, we've talked to many of our members, and we put forward a plan that contains 65 recommendations based on sort of three buckets, if you will. One is some immediate steps that could be taken to maximize labor force participation one another to ensure that we have the digital skills that we need for today and tomorrow and the third one is a bit more uh, future focused if you will and it really ensures that we're aligning industry needs with that is what's happening in the post-secondary space so it's a very comprehensive plan to be able to solve what is a really complex problem
1: okay let's start with the first bucket then what can we be doing right now
0: There's a number of things that can be done immediately that would start to address the acute challenges we're seeing. And when I'm talking about maximizing labor force, so things like making uh, the immigration process faster recognition of foreign credentials, removing registration for out of province healthcare workers and new approaches to ensure that we're getting underrepresented workers in the workforce faster. You know, perhaps an office for indigenous employment, indigenous workers are one of the fastest growing communities and they are underrepresented in the workforce. So how can we maximize their participation? Uh, Other underrepresented groups as well. So incentives for employers to really work with those who are underrepresented in the workforce and more experiential learning. A lot of post-secondary institutions offer things like co-ops and internships, but a lot don't. And so we really need industry and the post-secondary system to work together to ensure that there are more opportunities like that to get people into the workforce faster.
1: Right. Okay. So, and right now, though, it's, it's, I think every employer in every industry will tell you they've probably got a lot of jobs
0: that are going vacant. Well, there's a global uh, competition for talent. There's no question, and especially with the hybrid or remote working that is happening. So we have to, as industry, have to work with government to be able to ensure that we're maximizing labor force participation. And we know that immigration is a piece of that, but we have to make the the process much smoother and much faster. We've heard all of the stories, Simi. You've had lots of uh, guests on your radio station that talk about just how difficult it is to come to Canada and they don't get their credentials uh, recognized for some time. for too long. So how can how can government provide policies that make that a lot smoother and a lot faster?
1: Okay. And the one about like aligning post-secondary education or even like, you know, high school with what work, what the workers with the workplace needs. That seems like an argument, Bridget, we've been having for a very long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, part of the research and the discussions we had included a lot of young leaders because they're the ones closest to that system. And we heard from them that there was a number of things that could be done, offering them more practical skills, hands-on skills while they're going through post-secondary. But even before that, if you think about being in high school, lots of kids maybe don't know what they want to do, but there are a fair amount of kids that have decided by grade 10 or 11, they want to be a nurse or they want to go in a certain direction. And so, How can we have laddering programs in high school that accelerate their ability to get into the workforce faster? And then using data, data is a really important tool here, using data to inform those decisions by post-secondary institutions to offer the kind of programs that we can see our gaps in the labour market. So, you know, ensuring that that it is a data-first approach and making sure that we're building the skills for today and the ones that we need in the future.
1: But what can businesses do differently here? Hiring is a a challenging process, and I feel like a lot of a company's time and effort is, is spent like trying to find people and hire people.
0: You know, businesses had a rough time and I've talked to you about it for uh, a number of months now. Businesses are coming out of the pandemic still. A lot of them are facing increased debt and there's the global competition for talent in a city that's pretty unaffordable. So things like... um, additional skilling or reskilling of talent, you know, that really becomes a partnership between the employer and the employee. So this is where digital skills really come to play. And so one of the recommendations we're making is to create a digital skills index that really ranks workplace digital skills, but incentives for some of the smaller businesses to ensure that they have a digital first approach and that, you know, incentives for employees to Upskill or to additionally skill themselves through something like micro credentials, which are becoming very popular and a very accessible way to get additional skills in your tool belt very quickly.
1: Well, it just sounds like we all have a lot of work to do because when you talk about these numbers, at what's I think your report said 700,000 jobs in the next 10 years.
0: Uh, It's 1 million job openings in the next 10 years, but we've got 700,000 people retiring over that same period of time. So even with immigration, there's going to be gaps. And, you know, I should say that we have shared this report with government and government is working on their own future ready skills plan that we should see in the next short while. So this is top of mind for government. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to come up with these recommendations is so that industry is working with government to solve Mm -hmm. this problem.
1: Bridget, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot, Simi.